Blog Talk Radio. John White? Hello, John? 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 Hello? Buzzer, you can hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I guess um, you're the 845 number? Yeah. Okay, John is not on the line. I thought that was John the whole time. Hold on one second, Roy. Let me um, see if we can get John to call in. Okay, Roy, we have John on the line. Hi, hey, John. Leslie. How are you? All right. I'm doing well. How about you? Excellent. So, Leslie, we can get started? Yes, I am. Sure. All right. So, we're here with another edition of the Gist of Freedom Blog Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Roy Paul. I am joined with Mr. John White. Uh, an electrical contractor who's going to talk to us about a new project that he's working on to get off the ground. Uh, today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. You can listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. Mr. John White, you are what the Gist of Freedom Block Talk Radio Show is all about because we are about preserving history and you're doing that very thing down in New Jersey. Before we talk about specifically what you're working on, who is John White? John White is an um, electrical contractor based in New Jersey. John White is also a state-certified teacher of electrical trade and a state-certified uh, licensed electrical inspector. As well as holding those three positions, I also work full-time for the Board of Public Utilities for the state of New Jersey, as the um, um, project coordinator for energy efficiency, and in that title, and personally, and, and personally, John, what you're you're married, you have kids, you are from New Jersey originally. Yes, married, four kids, born uh, and raised in uh, the city of Trenton, New Jersey. Okay, now. You are leading a project or you're involved in a project to revitalize the Bordentown schools. For those who may not be familiar with the school, tell us a little bit about the history. Well, the manual training industrial school started back in 1886 uh, with Dr. Reverend Rice. Um, Reverend Rice started out um, in the New Brunswick area. I believe it was with the Presbyterian Church. And eventually, uh, they moved to a site, um, 1886, in Bordentown, New Jersey. And since that time, up to 1955, they were a campus on the southern end of, you might as well say, Trenton, located in Bordentown, which focused on the training of male and female African Americans. And at that time, there was no other school like it in New Jersey. And they focused on crafts. Um, you know, they had uh, plumbing, electrical, uh, different trades, um, architectural, sports programs. It's so many dignitaries that actually came through this campus. Albert Einstein himself, Booker T. Washington, 
they all visited this particular campus in Bordentown, New Jersey. And myself growing up in Trenton, I never knew about the campus. Um, it wasn't until uh, 2004, 2005, I believe, when I transferred to this particular site as a state employee working for the prison system that I became aware of the history of this particular place. Mm -hmm. Now what I want to do is, uh, are you familiar with the documentary A Place Out of Time? Uh, yes, yes I am. Um, it, it was done in 2010 and, and aired um, originally on PBS. Um, I am at PBS.com and they have a description um, of the Bordentown School, and I want to just read a couple of snippets of it because I think it helps give uh, some context to this, and then I want to come back to you and ask you a couple of more questions. Uh, from PBS.org, it says, for a 70-year period when America cared little about the education of African Americans and discrimination was law and custom, the Bordentown School was an educational utopia, an implicator for black pride and intellect that taught values, discipline, and life skills, um, in its prime, the school was nicknamed the Tuskegee of the North after the Booker T. Washington famous Alabama Institute. Um, the story is also the story of black education in America in a time and place where there was very few others uh, that could um, rival with it. This seems to me to be a huge part of the African-American, certainly the African-American educational experience within the United States of America and very often times it seems like these are the types of stories that are either not included, omitted, not known. How did we lose this piece of our history from the history books? Uh, that part, uh, you know, we would have to go back in history, you know, to find out where that lapse occurred. Um, when you have a place like, um, you know, this particular school, and when you look at just from a New Jersey standpoint, you would have to ask yourself, why isn't it, to answer your question to, to, to some degree, why isn't it included in many of, not just the textbooks, but in the New Jersey folklore itself about, you know, like when you drive through Bordentown, you don't see any flags representing this particular school. You'll see stuff about the Clara Barton School or some other areas, but you won't see anything about this particular school. So I think the best way to answer that is we would have to, you know, try to figure out why, why you know, how that occurred. And what we're trying to do um, is to bring this place back at least one brick at a time. And my mm -hmm. focus, of course, you know, being an African-American myself, being an African-American tradesman coming from the Trenton Public School System in a vocational setting, um, I would, you know, really, really want to focus on taking one of the buildings and finding those like-minded individuals like Leslie and her husband and bringing people on board. If we have a Habitat for Humanity for um, uh, low-income families who can't, you know, provide or, or, you know, find the means to move into a new home, then we should adopt that same type of philosophy at least for one of these buildings on behalf of this particular institution. And by taking one of the buildings and making it into a museum, maybe we can uh, bring it, you know, to the forefront to say, hey, this should be in our textbooks. 
all right, about mm-hmm. the history, not just New Jersey history, but history in general, because this particular place isn't just on the uh, New Jersey Historical Registry. I believe it's on the National Historical Registry as well. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you about the, the current status of the project. Um, I was just told that it was, it was made into a prison. Yeah, well, part of this particular facility, um, you have several components of the Juvenile Justice Commission. And on one side of the street, you have two male facilities, Juvenile Medium Security Facility, which houses, um, you know, um, um, adjudicated youth. Um, and then you also have the JRAC facility, Juvenile Reception, and I forget the other part of the acronym. But you have two facilities that houses male inmates on one side of the street. And then on the campus where the buildings, the um, admin building, uh, the housing, the vocational building, where those buildings are located on that side of the street, you have a program that used to be called Dubs, and you used to have, you know, troubled uh, female um, youth being housed in that building. But they had, I'm not going to say free reign, but they weren't locked up, locked up like a, a regular prison. You know, it was like a program for troubled girls. But there's also a, another facility in one of the buildings uh, which was renovated, and that is a prison for uh, young girls. So you've taken this wonderful concept that's been around since the 1800, late 1800s, I would say the 19th century, 1886, and they turned it into a prison. And when you look at the demographics of who's locked up in New Jersey, I, I believe, again, having worked in the prison system for a number of years, I believe the demographics were at the time when I taught in the prison, I believe in New Jersey was 65% African-American. So mm-hmm. to have something that had such promise for all of those years to turn it into a prison, I mean, it's like a slap in the face. I mean, it has to be. To, to all of these wonderful people that I've had the opportunity to meet who, you know, went through this campus and to turn it into a prison knowing that 65% of that population happens to be African-American, I, that's kind of hurtful. Hello? Yeah, I'm still here, boy. Yeah, um, I'm going to ask you to speak up just a little bit. I was having a difficult time hearing you on the back end there. Um, okay. At what stage are you with this project? Is this, are you in the beginning stages? Have you, have you actually done work, filed paperwork? Like, what is, the, what is the process, and where are you in that? We're in the beginning stage right now. We're trying to identify those like-minded individuals that's willing to put in the um, sweat equity to make this happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, identifying lawyers, you know, who's willing to do pro bono work, uh, carpenters, electricians, uh, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, um, architectural staff, finding those individuals where we can um, approach the historical society uh, with the concept to say here's what we want to do can we do it, and, you know, how and what do we need to do to make certain that this happens? Because we're not talking about taking one of these enormous buildings. We just want a small building, and there's a small building there that we can, I feel, 
take that building, make it into a um, living museum. All right, so let's face it. You know, if this school closed down in 1955, let me just you know do some quick math here. Knowing Mr. Uh, John uh, Medley, Mr. Medley graduated and he was the class of 1954. All right, so if we just say okay, they closed in 55. That's what um, 45. We add what's the name to that? That's what 45 plus 14. Right? That's 59 mm -hmm. years. And then if you say okay, the average student left here at 18, that might be 77 years old. The average life expectancy for at least an African American, at least based on 2009 actuaries, is around 74 years old. So a lot of these people are dying off, and I think that it would be a great thing, not only for the state of New Jersey, but for people to give back something and to try to keep this place in our memories and not just to die off or have these people die off and be forgotten. And more importantly, knowing where this place sits right along the Delaware, you know, there's been many, many attempts to try to, you know, undermine whatever process to try to get this land. This land used to be, it used to be 400 acres. You know, 295 runs, 295 south anyway, runs through it. So right. We're in have that, you been able we're to... Go ahead, Roy. Now, have you been able to, I'm just curious, uh, identify or connect with any of the alumni who went there? Yes, yes. Uh, there's been Mr. Uh, John Medley, there's, there's Ham, uh, Nathaniel Hampton, uh, there's Lionel. Lionel, I believe he's the president of one of the groups, or the larger group, I should say. And we're in the process of setting a meeting and talking about what we want to do. And for the most part, they're with it because they want, um, you know, I hate to say it, and this way, they want young legs to take this and run with it. You know, because, again, like I said, these people are well into their 70s and, and 80s. And, you know, they need someone else to carry that and, and try to make it happen, carry that torch and, and you know, uh, uh, move it forward. Right. And, and to that greater extent, talk about the kind of um, bumps, hurdles, or successes that you've encountered thus far. What are some of the major roadblocks? Well, roadblocks. Um, I haven't any, you know, encountered any roadblocks as of yet. Like I said, right now it's in a formation of finding the right people who uh, would want to get involved with something like this. Um, mm -hmm. And so right now the folks that I've talked to, um, they have committed to um, um, work with us on this. Right. And for people who want to help or get involved, is there a website? Uh, what, what is the sort of um, online presence that people can tap into? Well, as of right now, if, if people wanted to reach out to me directly, they most certainly can. Um, you know, they can contact me at um, my namesake, John, J-O-H-N, White, W-H-I-T-E, followed by the number 85 at gmail.com. So they can, you know, at any time reach out to me. Um, but as of right now, we have not form, for, form, uh, formatted any um, account status um, for this as of yet. Because once we identify all of the people that are going to be involved with this, um, then we can um, you know, make that part happen. Mm -hmm. Have you um, 
just curious in terms of the the foundational support that uh, is going to be needed for this. Um, have you mapped all of that out? So if people wanted to get involved, is there sort of a, a, an outline of what would be needed to move the project forward? As of yet, Roy, no, not yet. Um, like I said, this is it's, it's happening quick because, um, you know, this last year I couldn't make the picnic. This year um, I was there talking to Mr. Lionel and Mr. Metley yesterday, and they're on board, like I said, and it, it's hard to um, try to balance, you know, you know, try to balance this along with everything else you do in your life. Uh, and like I said, and then it's trying to find those people. It just so happens to be uh, Leslie came through, her and her husband yesterday, along with their lovely daughter, they came through yesterday. And coming from Patterson, New Jersey, you know, to come down here, you know, the message is out there. You know, this is a place um, that should um, be um, part of the state of New Jersey, you know, to be able to come visit and talk to these folks. Let me just say this real quickly. I'm a member of the Minority Concerns Committee for Burlington County. Each county in the state of New Jersey has these committees set up through the superior courts. And one of the things, the committee that I'm on deals with adjudicated youth. How can we get these kids to understand and stay out of jail? And some of the issues that we talk about with some of these kids, um, you know, dealing with racial issues. You have a lot of kids in Hemerton, Browns, Mills, in certain areas, you know, they get into a lot of trouble. And we have a Jewish center that some of the kids will go to, and they will talk about the Holocaust and, and some of the things that, you know, they dealt with, you know, some of the things they witnessed. Well, here's another prime example that can be used as a tool, all right, to teach our kids about intolerance, you know. And this is something that we want to um, help these folks keep this legacy alive. And it's, and it's, like I said, it's, it's trying to find the same people that have, that have the same drive that you do. Oh, I think you meant figuratively, but you're talking about me. No, 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 no. Talking about me. It was a, oh. <laughs> it was just because it is, you know, meaning me, you know what I mean? You've got to have those, you know, there's a lot of people out there who want to, you know, uh, you know, show up for a photo op. Well, that's not me. I'm not a photo op guy. I'm just like... Let's make this happen. Let's get it done. Let's get it done now. All right. Like I said, mm-hmm. to me, it means a lot to me having met these folks. Um, and when you hear their stories and, 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 again, coming from a, you know, um, a similar background, and I say that, you know, coming up in a, a trade family. You know, my stepdad was an electrician. You know, I'm an electrician by trade. I was an aircraft electrician in the Navy. You know, it, it means a lot to me to see, you know, and hear their story because everything that they had to endure, you know, these folks laid the foundation for, you know, so many of the black contractors today, you know, carpenters, you know, architects. You know, there's so many people here that people could learn from, you know. And, and again, that's why we want to preserve their legacy and this campus and what it meant to them. You know, when I go back here, actually, let me just back up for a minute. When I worked as an electrician, and to see these folks come out there on these hot days in late July, setting up pictures, tents, 
you know, every, you know, bringing their grills out there. I mean, you know, these folks aren't in their 20s or 30s. These people are in their 70s, 80s, and they're, you know, lugging this stuff out there on these hot days. You know, it just goes to show you how much pride they have about this campus. And just seeing that, you know, makes you want to do something, and it's like, okay, what can I do? And, again, being a contractor, I know that, you know, all of the connections that I have politically and outside of the political realm, I think with the right approach that we can make something happen. Like I said, it's just taking a small, one of the smallest buildings there, renovating that building and making it into a living museum that people can visit, we can put schools down, you can have it part of. Any subject matter that's taught in, in school today. Right. Well, look, I wish you all the best of luck with the project. Anytime someone is trying to uh, resurrect something, especially when it comes to preservation issues surrounding African-American history, you have my utmost respect, my hat off to you. I want you to give your email address one more time for those people who may be listening who want to get a hold of you so that they can be a part of the project. Okay, and I want to thank you, Roy, you and Leslie, for giving me this opportunity. And my email is my my namesake, John, J-O-H-N, White, W-H-I-T-E, followed by the number 85, gmail.com. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Mr. John White, electrical contractor from New Jersey who is trying to uh, create a, a museum out of uh, the site that hosted the Bordentown School in New Jersey. Um, if you want to get involved and help this brother out do some great work, not just for New Jersey but for the, the country and beyond when it comes to preserving African-American history, please reach out to him. His email address is going to also be posted in the link that we embed after we upload this interview um, on the website. Uh, Thank you for listening. My name is Roy Paul. On behalf of everyone at the Gist of Freedom, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. This, uh, today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks wherever and whenever you want. You can get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at www.audiobooksblackhistory.com. Thank you again for listening. Good night.